Well, as I said, today is a day of reflection. This whole weekend is a time of reflection in God's Word and on the events of that weekend. As I mentioned on Sunday, the Bible is a prophetic book. Yes, it is a book of God's dealings with man, and it, it, there's so many aspects to the Bible, but it is also a prophetic book. And there are many prophecies in the Bible which are still to happen. And we as Christians believe that they will happen. In fact, we are confident that they will happen. And why are we confident that they will happen? Well, because there are so many prophecies in the Old Testament which have already happened. And so because of hundreds of fulfilled prophecies in the Bible gives us the confidence to believe that those that are still to be fulfilled will take place. Today is Passover. We, we call it Good Friday. Jewish days, they begin in the evening of the previous day, of the day before. And so Friday began at 6 p.m. today and will end at 6 p.m. tomorrow. So when Jesus met with his disciples, it was already Passover. It had already begun. The day had begun, and all that happened that evening, that night, and the next day, it all happened on the same day. The mill, the garden, Jesus taken, taken prisoner, being falsely accused and, and, and falsely sentenced to death, uh, the beating, the crucifixion, the death, his burial, all that happened within one day between what for us would be 6 p.m. on Thursday evening until 6 p.m. on Friday evening. It was all in one day. On this one day, prophecy was fulfilled. Or let me rather say, prophecies were fulfilled. No less than 28 Old Testament prophecies were fulfilled in this one day alone in the life of Jesus. Do you think that is a coincidence? Not a chance. What do you think are the odds of 28 prophecies prophesied hundreds of years before in one person's life happening in one day of that person's life? You see, and this shows you know, that there is something about Jesus. He's not an ordinary person. Says something about the accuracy of biblical prophecy as well. And it shows us that Jesus was not just another Jew, not another Jewish man. He was Jesus, the Messiah. And so we're going to look at some of the prophecies fulfilled that day. Let's take some time and, and spend some time in the scriptures looking at those uh, prophecies. We're going to look at a few prophecies, and I'm going to mention the Old Testament prophecy and then the New Testament uh, fulfillment. And it is just wonderful to stop and to reflect on the accuracy of these prophecies. Number one, the Messiah would be cut off, but not for himself, as prophesied by Daniel. Daniel 9.26 says, And after 62 weeks, Messiah shall be cut off, but not for himself. 
Daniel even gives more or less the time when it would happen. Because if you read the whole prophecy in the book of Daniel, it says from the time that the decree is given to rebuild the temple, to rebuild Jerusalem, such so many weeks are going to pass. And it gives an amount of 62 weeks after the first is a 40-week period in the 62-week period. And if you go back and you work out, and there are some scholars who have done that, and they go back and they work out because you know more or less the date when Jerusalem was rebuilt and the temple and so forth. And when you go back and work out, it coincides with the time that Jesus was in Jerusalem. So if people had been paying attention to prophecy and paying attention to the times, they would have realized. And that's what you're talking about on, on Sunday, isn't it? Here's the fulfillment, John 11, 50, 52. Nor consider it that it is better for us that one man die for the people, then the whole nation should perish. Now, he did not say this of himself, but being high priest that year, prophesied that Jesus would die for the nation, and not for the nation only, but also that he might gather together into one the children of God who were scattered abroad. John 11, 50-52. So there you go, an Old Testament prophecy fulfilled, and he was cut off. They decided that Jesus must be cut off, not realizing that they were fulfilling Daniel's prophecy. It wasn't just anybody, not just a stirrer they were cutting off. It was Messiah. Number two, the betrayal of Jesus by Judas was foretold by David. David lived about a thousand years before Jesus. Psalm 41.9, Even a man, my close friend in whom I trusted, who ate of my bread, has lifted up his heel against me. Fulfilled in Mark 14.10-11, Then Judas Iscariot, one of the twelve, went to the chief priests in order that he might deliver him, Jesus, up to them. And after hearing this, they were delighted and promised to give him money. And he sought how he might conveniently betray Jesus. Wow. Number three, Jesus Christ would be forsaken by his disciples as prophesied by Zechariah. Zechariah 13, 7. Awake, O sword, against my shepherd. And against the man who is my companion, says the Lord of hosts. Strike the shepherd who is Jesus. Strike the shepherd and the sheep shall be scattered. Fulfilled in Mark 14, 15. Where it says, then they forsook him and fled. When Jesus was captured, they forsook him and fled. Another one, number four. The price of his betrayal was also foretold by Zechariah, prophesied in Zechariah eleven twelve. And I said to them, if it is good, give me my price, and if not, let it go. So they weighed my price, 30 pieces of silver. And we know what happened in Matthew 26, 15. And said, what are you willing to give me? Said Judas, and I will deliver him up to you. And they offered him what? 30 pieces of silver. Coincidence or prophecy being fulfilled? You be the judge. Number five, Isaiah prophesied that Jesus Christ would be sacrificed 
as the Passover Lamb of God. Isaiah 53:7. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter. Fulfilled. 1 Corinthians 5, 7 says, For Christ, our Passover was sacrificed for us. 1 Peter 1, 18 to 20. Knowing that you were not redeemed by corruptible things, but by the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot, who truly was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but was manifested in these last times for your sakes. Huh? He actually says this was in God's mind, God's plan long ago. See, because God knew that we were going to sin, we were going to be the Savior, and this plan was back there. And that's why, by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, Isaiah could prophesy so accurately. Another one, number six. Isaiah also prophesied the scourging and mocking that Jesus would suffer. In Isaiah 56, we read, I gave my back to the smiters, the scourges, and my cheeks to them that plucked off the hair. I did not hide my face from shame and spitting. It was fulfilled in the New Testament, Matthew 27, 26 to 30. Then he released Barabbas to them, but after scourging Jesus, he delivered him up so that he might be crucified. Then the governor's soldiers, after taking Jesus with them into the praetorium, gathered the entire band against him. And they stripped him and put a scarlet cloak around him. And after plaiting a crown of thorns, they put it on his head and a rod in his hand. And bowing on their knees before him, they mocked him. And kept on saying, Hail, King of the Jews. And then, after spitting on him, they took the rod and struck him on the head. Wow. Why? Why? Huh? And yet, it was prophesied. All the suffering was prophesied. Number seven. Both Isaiah and David prophesied that Jesus' body would be mutilated. In Isaiah 52, 14, we read, Many were astonished at him, for his body was so disfigured, even his form beyond the death of the sons of men. Psalm twenty-two seventeen, I can count all my bones. They look and gloat over me. Fulfilled in Matthew 27, 26. But after scourging Jesus, he delivered him up so that he might be crucified. John 19.1 Then Pilate took Jesus and scourged him. Number eight, Isaiah prophesied that Jesus would not make an effort to defend himself at the trial. Isaiah 53.7 He was oppressed. And he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before its shearers is dumb, so he opened not his mouth. Hundreds of years later, Matthew 27, 
13 and 14. Then Pilate said to him, Don't you hear how many things they testify against you? And he did not answer even one word to him, so that the governor was greatly amazed. Number nine, David prophesied that his hands and his feet would be pierced. Psalm twenty-two, sixteen: Dogs have surrounded me, a band of evildoers having circled me. They have pierced my hands and my feet. Fulfilled in Mark fifteen twenty-five, and they crucified him. In John 20, 25 and 27, we read, Then the other disciples said to him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, If I do not see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger into the nail marks and put my hand into his side, I will not believe at all. Now, after eight days, his disciples were within and, and Thomas with them and the doors were shut. Jesus came and stood in the midst and said, Peace to you. Then he said to Thomas, Bring forth your finger. And see my hands and bring forth your hand and put it into my side and be not believing, but believing. Listen, folks, what is amazing about this, this this prophecy of David in Psalm 22 is that when David wrote Psalm 22, that's a thousand years before Christ, there was no such thing as crucifixion. And yet when you read Psalm 22, you see it's a description of the crucifixion. How did David know? It was by the inspiration of God. God inspired. God gave him somehow that vision and and he, and he wrote those things down. Dogs have surrounded me. That is a, 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 a phrase for, for Gentiles. Gentiles, you know, were considered as dogs by the Jewish people. They were, you know, they were not clean. And, and so they were unclean. And, and, and that's what happened. Jesus was surrounded by Gentiles and a band of evildoers, Jewish people that were doing evil towards Jesus. They've encircled me, and they've pierced my hands and my feet. How clear a description could they be of the crucifixion? And number 10, the parting of his garments was also prophesied by David. Stalling Psalm 22, how detailed is that? Psalm 22, 18, they divide my garments among them and cost lots. Upon my vesture. Wow. His garment was divided. His outer cloak was in one piece. And so they cost lots to see who would get it. John 19, 24. Then they said to one another, Let us not tear it, but let us cast lots for it to determine whose it shall be. That the scripture might be fulfilled. It says, They divided my garments among them, and they cast lots for my vesture. Therefore, the soldiers did these things. As I said, there are many other scriptures, 28 in total, that, the, that prophesy events on that day. And there are more. We're not, we don't have time to look at that tonight. But listen, folks, I've just shared 10 of them with you. There's just no way that this can be a coincidence. This goes to show that Jesus really is the promised anointed one, the King the Savior, 
the Lord. And that day, that Passover, starting with that Last Supper and all the events of that day was fulfillment of Scripture. In Luke 22, verse 14 to 19, we read about Jesus gathering with His disciples at the Last Supper. He says, When the hour had come, Jesus sat down and the twelve apostles with Him. Then He said to them, With fervent desire, I have desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I say to you, I will no longer eat of it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. Then he took the cup and gave thanks and said, Take this and divide amongst yourselves. For I say to you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took bread, gave thanks and broke it and gave it to them saying, This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Listen, that verse 6 when he says, I will no longer eat of it until it is fulfilled in my kingdom. He was talking about and looking forward to the marriage supper of the Lamb. You know, in Revelation 99, blessed are those who are called to the marriage supper of the Lamb. You see, when he said, I will no longer eat, he's not talking about never eating again with them, you know, anything. No, he's talking about, I'm not going to have a ceremonial meal with you again until that day. And I'm saying this because if you, we know if you read the Gospels that after his resurrection, Jesus did eat with the disciples. But he did not eat a ceremonial meal. Passover is a ceremonial meal. And that supper of the Lamb is going to be a ceremonial meal as well. All right? And then verse 19, this is my body which is given for you. Once again, Jesus, he declares that he's going to die. He says right in the beginning, you want to eat this Passover before I suffer. And yet the disciples don't seem to get it. Even on, on the way to Gethsemane, they were still not realizing what was going on. Only when Jesus was taken prisoner, bells began to ring. And, and actually, only after his resurrection did they understand what actually took place on that evening at Passover. That night, Jesus changed the meal. That was a remembrance of deliverance from slavery in Egypt to a meal in remembrance of Him. Tonight, as we take communion, we remember all that Jesus is and all that He did. We remember that all the fulfilled prophecies on that day reveal that Jesus is none other than whom He claimed to be the Savior of the world, my Savior, my Lord. Amen. Are you ready for communion? Please get your bread and your cup ready and let us prepare to enjoy communion together. Amen. Well, I trust you're ready then for us to enjoy communion together. We're going to start off by listening to a scripture reading relevant to what you're going to do. Dear, Our scripture reading is from 1 Corinthians 11, verse 23 to verse 26. 
For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. You see, as I said earlier in the message, Jesus took a ceremony which was a remembrance of their deliverance from slavery in Egypt and he turned it into a ceremony where we remember him, his death, his burial, his resurrection until he comes. This is prophetic too. Amen. It is a remembrance as to what happened, but it's also prophetic because he's coming. We prophesy that he's going to return. So let's enjoy our meal together. Let us take the bread and then let us pray. Father, we thank you for the bread, the fruit of the ground, reminding us today of Jesus, his body broken for us on that Passover day. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for what you did, for your sacrifice, giving yourself up as the Lamb of God to take away the sins of the world, to take away my sin, the sins of the people watching today. Thank you for your goodness, Lord. We receive it with much gratitude as we remember today. Amen. So let's take and eat in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's take the cup. And then we read that it said, take the cup and all of you drink of the cup. To remember the blood that was shed. His blood, which was shed for our sins. There is no redemption of sins without the shedding of blood. Those Old Testament sacrifices could only cover the sins temporarily. Mm. But the blood of Jesus Hallelujah. that day. <laughs> It came to eradicate, to completely take away our sin. That even though we can be so sinful sometimes in words, deed, or actions, or thought, when God looks at me because of the blood of Jesus, He sees me sinless. That's what justified means. Justified, just as if I'd never sinned. <laughs> Only God. Only God. And this is what you remember. Lord, we thank you, Lord Jesus, for your blood poured over for each one of us, for each one watching, listening. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for your great sacrifice. We remember tonight, Lord, and we are grateful. Thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, drink of the cup of blessing and be blessed. Amen. And that night, he started this ceremony and he said, you keep on doing it. 
until I come. Amen. And we never know when it's going to be the last time that we are going to have communion alone without Him on the earth. Because one of these days, the trumpet is going to sound and we are going to be taken up and you're going to be with Him. And it's going to be one massive feast, the marriage supper of the Lamb. Like He said, and we heard it before, He is not going to eat a ceremonial meal again until that day. Until that day. We're going to keep on believing. We're going to keep on trusting. We're going to keep on having communion and looking forward with a blessed hope, looking forward to that day when you can be together with Him again. Amen. I trust you have been blessed by this service, this Last Supper service together. May the Lord bless you. Continue enjoying this weekend. Continue taking time to meditate on God's Word. Read some of those scriptures around the crucifixion of Jesus. And uh, we'll see you again tomorrow morning, 9 o'clock, for our Good Friday devotion. Father, we thank you for this time together, Lord. I pray that this time will be resonating in our hearts and helping us to understand deeper the meaning of Passover, the meaning of communion, and helping us to look forward to your coming. So now may the love of God the Father, the grace and the peace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit embrace you, your family, your household, Amen. until we see Him face to face. God bless you. See you tomorrow.